Hello my lovelies, hello my friends, and welcome back to my podcast on murder, mystery and mayhem. Today's case, we're going to look inside the disappearance of Dennis Martin, the six-year-old who vanished in the Smoky Mountains. In June 1969, Dennis Lloyd Martin walked off to play a prank on his dad and never returned, sparking the largest search effort in the history of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. On June the 13th, 1969, William Martin brought his two sons, Douglas and Dennis, and his father Clyde on a camping trip. It was Father's Day weekend and the family planned to hike through the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. The hike was a family tradition for the Martins, and the first day went smoothly. Six-year-old Dennis managed to keep up with the more experienced hikers. The Martins met up with family friends on the second day, and they continued on to Spencefield, a highland meadow in the western Smokies, popular for its view. As the parents and grandparents gazed at the scenic mountain, the boys snuck off to pull a prank on their parents, but it never went as planned. During the prank, Dennis vanished into the woods. His family never saw him again, and the child's disappearance would launch the largest search and rescue effort in the history. Dennis set off on a hike wearing a red t-shirt. It was the six-year-old's first overnight camping trip, the youngest in his family. Dennis must have been so excited to go on the annual Father's Day hike in the Smoky Mountains. And I actually can imagine because my father is big into the walking and the hiking and stuff like that and when he would go off on like we'd say more experienced walks we would have to be a certain age to go with him and the excitement in us well first of all the pleading can we go can we go and maybe my older brother and sister would be going and then eventually when I reached the age where I could go so exciting the night before you can barely sleep you just can't wait you're up at the crack of the dawn waiting for everybody else to get up so that you can go And I can imagine Dennis must have been that excited to be old enough, feeling like a really big boy, being able to go off with all the men in the family. The second day of the trip is when tragedy struck. On June 14th, 1969, the hikers reached Spencefield. After meeting up with family friends, Dennis and his brother split off with two other boys to play a game. William Martin watched the boys whispered as they planned to sneak up on the adults. The boys melted into the forest. Though Dennis's red shirt stood out against the greenery. <coughs> now, when we were kids and we went walking with my father, um, we used to go to the woods and stuff like that. And I remember us whispering as kids that we were going to run on ahead and we were going to hide behind the trees and he turned the corner and say oh my god where are you 
somebody must have taken them. And then we'd all jump out and say, did we scare you, you know? And he'd pretend to be scared. And when you look back, like, like Dennis's red shirt stood out a mile, we would have stood out a mile, but we really, really thought that we were scaring our father. And it, we have lovely memories of that, all of us, but it's something most children do. So it's quite common for kids to hide and the parents to see that they're hiding. And obviously the parents know exactly what their kids are going to do. So when Dennis and the other children were whispering and they were sneaking in the hide and the father knew that they were going to jump out and pretend, you know, to scare them. But as soon as the older boys jumped out, laughing. But Dennis wasn't with them. As the minutes ticked by, William knew something was wrong. He began falling, calling for Dennis, confident the boy would respond, but there was no answer. They quickly searched the nearby forest, hiking up and down several trails, looking for Dennis. William covered miles of trails, frantically calling for his son. Without radios or any way to communicate with the outside world, the Martins came up with a plan. <clears throat> Clyde, Dennis's grandfather, would hike nine miles to the Cades Cove ranger station for help. When night fell, a thunderstorm moved in. In a matter of hours, the storm dropped three inches of rain on the Smoky Mountains, washing away trails and leaving behind no evidence of Dennis Martin, whose footprints were swept, swept away by the rain. At 5am on June 15th, the search for Dennis commenced. The National Park Service put together a crew of 30. The search party quickly swelled, swelled 240 people as volunteers poured in. The search party included park rangers, college students, firefighters, boy scouts, police and 60 Green Berets. Without clear direction or an organisational plan, the searchers crossed the National Park looking for evidence. The search continued day after day with no sight of Dennis. Helicopters and planes took to the air to search a growing patch of the National Park. On June 20th, Dennis's seventh birthday, nearly 800 people participated in the search. They included members of the National Guard, the US Coast Guard and the National Park Service. The next day, the search efforts peaked at an astonishing 1,400 searchers. A week into the search, the National Park Service put together a plan for what to do if they recovered Dennis's body. And yet over 13,000 hours of searching yielded nothing, I mean nothing of Dennis's, nothing belonging to him, no body, no evidence at all. Unfortunately, the volunteers may have accidentally destroyed clues about what happened to Dennis. As the days went by, it became more and more clear that the boy would not be found alive. The search and rescue effort gradually lost steam with no sight of Dennis Martin. The family offered a reward of $5,000 for information. 
In response, they received a flood of calls from psychics claiming to know what happened to their son. More than half a century later, no one really knows what happened to Dennis Martin the day he went missing in the Smoky Mountains. The most plausible theories range from abduction to having died of exposure and been eaten by a bear or feral pigs in the park. But some people believe Dennis Martin was the victim of a more vicious attack by cannibalistic feral humans who were said to live undetected in the National Park. <clears throat> and the reason nothing was ever found of his body or clothing was because they were hidden far from view in the safety of their colony. I would imagine with that final theory, you know, of the cannibalistic humans, when an area like that, that nobody inhabits and people go walking, a lot of stories are told. They aren't true at all. They're only urban legends, but the urban legends are passed on from person to person, generation to generation, and people believe it. A lot of the times it could be stories told by parents to their children so that they don't ever wander up in that area, that there are cannibalistic humans. And the story becomes believed and people may have, hear, have sightings of something that doesn't exist or hear things that doesn't exist because in their mind they really believe it. For their part, Martin's family believes someone may have kidnapped their son. Harold Key was seven miles from Spencefield the day Dennis went missing. That very afternoon, Key heard a sickening scream. Then Key spotted an unkempt stranger hurrying through the woods. Was the event connected with the disappearance? Or was it just a coincidence? The six-year-old may have wandered off and found himself lost in the woods. The terrain marked with steep ravines may have hidden Martin's body. Or wildlife may have attacked a child. Years after Dennis dis disappeared, a ginseng hunter found a child's skeleton about three miles downhill from where Dennis went missing. The man waited to report the skeleton since he's illegally taken ginseng from the National Park. But in 1985, the ginseng hunter contacted a park service ranger. The ranger put together a group of 30 seasoned rescuers, but they never found the skeleton. The mystery of Dennis Martin's disappearance will likely never be solved, despite the massive effort to find the missing boy. <clears throat> it's a very sad case because the boy disappeared because he was he was playing a game and a trick on, on their parents, you know, which is something all children do. And that jumping out to, to scare your parents, you know, that, that's part of all our childhood past. It's something we've all done, hid somewhere, given our parents a fright and then jumped out. So something so innocent that he done resulted obviously in his death and his body never being found. As for the ginseng hunter, I believe he did find the skeleton. I believe he's not really sure of the coordinates of where he found it. And when you're doing something wrong, like stealing ginseng, for example, and it's not allowed, if you come across something like that, the first thing you do is like try to forget about it, not tell anybody because you're going to be in trouble. But the reality of it is, 
the police would have been more interested in recovering the child's skeleton than they ever would have been about him stealing ginseng. So when things like that happen, your automatic reaction is to protect yourself. But because he left it so long, he couldn't 100% remember the coordinates. So they never found the skeleton that's up in those mountains that I believe is missing William. I can't imagine what it's like for his parents, you know. Something that's a tradition. My family is a tradition where all... My father and takes all his sons and then as the grandchildren reach a certain age, he takes them and they go off camping and walking and hiking and all of that stuff. And I couldn't imagine them taking the youngest and something like that happening. It would just be, how do you live with yourself? That you didn't stop the kids going in. You're, you're going to have this your whole life. It was not the parents' fault. The kids were doing things that all kids do. But if they'd never been on that trip, he'd still be here today. And that's something those parents have played in their mind over and over and over again. Even though they are not responsible for their child's death. To never find a body always leaves hope. And when you have that hope, maybe he'd have been kidnapped. Maybe he'll be found. When you hear of people being found 20 years later after being kidnapped, so you're automatically always going to have that hope. But when you have that hope, you can never lay it to rest. For me, the hardest thing is the not knowing. If they'd recovered the skeleton or found little Martin when he was shortly after he had gone missing the parents are able to bury him get answers and at least have somewhere to go on his anniversary every year when that doesn't happen you, you never really heal you never really get closure i think it's actually it's a, it's a really really sad case and the reason that i find it extra sad is because it was just a normal thing kids do i mean it could happen to any of us and any of our children as well an innocent childhood prank is all that it was and the little boy's never seen again. I believe that his red t-shirt stood out a mile. So I believe he walked backwards. He could have fallen. There could have been a ravine. There could have been a hole. We don't know. But I don't think he wandered off too far. I think something happened to him very close to the scene that resulted in his body never being found. I, I've heard of people's different theories that they actually killed a child himself or it was a freak accident you know that didn't happen because there was family friends there if they had never seen the little boy there they would have said it like if I'm away with family friends and I'm not going to cover for anybody if a child goes missing and I think any normal person wouldn't either so that's today's case sad but true I hope you're all doing really well and you all had an amazing week gone by Today is Sunday, you know, my lazy day. I was actually off work today, so I didn't wake up until nearly 12 in the afternoon, which is extremely unlike me. Got up Sundays, I, I wash clothes, I clean the house, I do all that. My husband's still away. Six days and I get to see him again and I can't wait because it's been three weeks without him and it's not the same coming home every day from work and, and your husband not being there. Nobody to ask you, how was your day or did you have a good day? Just nobody to, to welcome you, I suppose. 
So one week left. I'm starting semester two in college on Tuesday. I'm looking forward to it. I started studying a little bit ahead and reading some of the classwork and notes and content and started reading some of the books to get me a little bit more ahead because I do not want to fall behind this semester like I did last semester. But last semester it was because of laziness. When I sit down to study, I'd be like, oh, that's a new Netflix series and watch that instead, you know. We're all guilty of it, but I'm really guilty of it. So today I cleaned the house, done my hair, done extra cleaning in the house, you know, all the clothes are washed. I'm just, I've done my blog post, I'm doing my podcast now, then I'm going to watch an episode of Monk. I just found Monk on, online and I absolutely love that detective series, it is like my favourite. And then I'm going to cook something to eat and just chill for the rest of the evening. So thank you once again for listening to my podcast and I'll catch you all next Sunday. Love, Victoria.